I'm top 9% on try hacking and I don't even know how to open a terminal. I was really hesitant when we set up Discord. <laughs> the GDPR stuff can be the bane of my existence sometimes. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Socktails BS, where we look at a brief summary of some of the tech news uh, over the course of the week. A uh, big shout out to Liz for being our co-host uh, last week. Uh, some great feedback from that episode, which is always nice to hear. And you will be hearing more of Liz in the coming weeks, which is great. One of the first things I wanted to talk about this week actually was the new top-level domains uh, that have appeared that you are able to register. Now, there's been some talk and some controversy about this, uh, but if you've not seen this, there are eight new top-level domains that you're able to register. Uh, they are .dad.phd, uh, .prof, .esq, Esquire, I assume, .foo, .nexus, but probably the two interesting ones are .zip and .mov. Now, they are obviously very common file extensions. And there's been some talk about whether this could be a security risk uh, or a security issue. Um, and uh, yeah, absolutely, it will be. Uh, but the uh, impact of that, I guess, depends on a number of number of different uh, kind of aspects within your environment, security layers, levels, yada, 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 all that kind of cliche stuff from a security perspective. However, there are a couple of things probably worth thinking of. One would be from a phishing perspective. Is it going to make a huge difference to uh, phishing attack vectors, the way end users are seeing URLs within emails. Uh, my view on that, probably not. Um, there's always going to be an issue where um, various different URLs are going to be uh, obfuscated in some kind of way. Um, the way in which they're presented within emails, the fonts, the way that humans read all that uh, kind, kind of aspect. There's always going to be uh, something there um, that is that is going to affect the way in which an end user looks at looks at an email. So yes, there's going to be a little bit of training in there. Um, there might be something from a uh, like a security filtering perspective. If you're um, lock, you know blocking uh, zip or, or mod files, or whatever through email gateways, which most people do, but of course this is a URL. It's not not a not a file. Um, so is there going to be a phishing risk there? Yes, probably. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily going to be a, a, a major issue or certainly nothing different than most people are are, are dealing with when it comes to uh, comes to phishing. Now, one of the other aspects uh, of this is something um, that Jake Williams picked up if you follow him on Twitter, uh, at MalwareJake. Certainly recommend um, going, to, going to follow him. Now, one of the things he mentioned was the fact that there's going to be some legacy products out there and we know how many legacy products are out there software and the way in which they're going to be potentially dealing with these urls as they come through are they going to be tricked into opening arbitrary arbitrary uh, zip files um are, is there going to be an issue um with uh, kind of eight out-of-date url handlers there's absolutely going to be an issue there um dot foo i believe has been used as like a, a, a test for for software devs for for a while and obviously zip and mov are going to be going to be important part of that and the third aspect really which is probably worth thinking about is the way in which that information is going to be logged by your sock so if you're feeding this information into your seam you've got your sock analyst taking a look how's that being logged how what's your process to be able to deal with those are you running various different correlation rules or regex against dot zip are you having 
various different kind of alerts or, or correlation rules based off some of the information that you're seeing um, as, uh, as part of that. So it's probably worth taking a look at that. Um, so, you know, in short, is this going to be a security issue? Yes, uh, but it's going to be other layers and it's going to really depend on what you're doing within your environment on how much uh, potentially that's going to be uh, that's going to be an issue. So on to the next thing. So one of the other things that I wanted to touch on as well was this ban of TikTok in Montana in the US. Um, now this is uh, again a, a, an interesting move and uh, really <laughs> why? Um, it's really difficult to kind of kind of get an understanding of exactly what's going on with, with this and, and really kind of the thought press behind it. Um, there's, uh, again, I want to give another shout out on Twitter, uh, Lisa Forte UK. She put a, a, a little rant on, on Twitter yesterday um, talking about this and some of the challenges are around why this is even a thing. She makes some really good points as, as part of that rant. So certainly worth going to take a look um, at what she's got to say uh, and certainly worth following her at, actually from, from a general security perspective. Absolutely. Um, but some of the kind of points that she makes and some of the, the thought process that comes up from here is, you know, why this is going to be a geopolitical thing, right? TikTok is owned by ByteDance, a, a Chinese company. Um, their chief executive um, was in front of a congressional committee uh, last year, I think, or earlier in the year. And they were saying, look, you know, is, does, does any of this data... Um, uh, is is uh, is it being used? Is there any kind of influence on on Americans seeing the app? And 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 of course, you know, the the chief executive came back and said, look, look, we we never spy on Americans, but also we do did have employees that use TikTok accounts of journalists to obtain information about them. So there's going to be um, uh, you know some thoughts there from uh, from the uh, from the state of Montana that they don't want the information being shared to the Chinese government. Now, there are some major, major plot holes as uh, as part of this decision-making. One, I mean, it's just one state, okay? Um, it's not, that there's up to a $10,000 fine. However, that's not for an individual. That's for um, the uh, the firms that are breaking that particular ban. So they've been banned on, on government devices for a while. TikTok's been banned on government devices for a while. Uh, but it does mean that, uh, that, that, you know, Apple, Google, they're going to face fines if, if they allow TikTok to be downloaded within Montana. So from an end user perspective, there's easy ways around that, right? I mean, pretty much every single podcast you hear has got adverts for NordVPN. So you can you can look at having a VPN access um, to be able to download that from somewhere else, but also from the, uh, the, the data sharing aspect, uh, why is TikTok being necessarily kind of uh, singled out as part of that what's wrong with the, some of the other social media platforms facebook instagram uh snapchat i mean there's there's so many different uh, applications out there there's so many different uh, ways in which this could be um this could be dealt with i really just don't see this as as having any impact whatsoever other than uh, some people kind of throwing a little bit of weight around and, and and trying to make a point um we obviously you know being the small podcast that we are we couldn't get any representatives um from the uh republican side um who uh, uh 
have uh, have put this ban in place in in, in Montana, uh, but I have managed to do my fantastic text of speech, uh, and this is what Mr. Gianforte said about this. Wider ban would further our shared priority to protect Montanans from Chinese Communist Party surveillance. So very interesting, um, and clearly, you know, something that they wanted to take a look at. Uh, and, uh, and you know, reference the Chinese Communist Party right there. Uh, TikTok have also put out uh, a little statement, uh, and I've done exactly the same thing. Here you go. This ban infringes on the First Amendment rights of the people of Montana, and we want to reassure Montanans that they can continue using TikTok to express themselves, earn a living, and find community as we continue working to defend the rights of our users inside and outside of Montana. So, uh, you know, they've kind of come back and said, look, you know, we, we, we still want them to be able to use it. Of course they are. You know, TikTok has earned a living on this. There's a, uh, there's a, a, a community. People are using this uh, for, for many, many different, different reasons uh, and, uh, and such like. So, yeah, really, really strange um, decision there within the U.S. Um, I can't see it making any difference at all be interesting to see if the rest of the US uh, states uh, follow suit um, be interesting to see what happens from from this perspective moving on uh, I'm sure from a content creator perspective as we've seen if TikTok goes there'll be another app something else will will, will pop up and, and, and kind of take its take its place So thirdly, and uh, just to kind of finish off with this uh, from from the episode, there has been a, a new kind of ransomware as a service uh, that's come out. But this is quite interesting in that it's specifically targeting uh, Linux and VMware ESXi uh, systems. So this uh, ransomware as a service uh, has been dubbed Michael Cause, um, and there's been a, a, a again a little bit of a conversation about this within uh, within the kind of the, the security channels on kind of what's going on on here now this is uh, specifically targeting the ESXi hosts and VMware initially have come out and said actually you know there's there's no security issue here this was last year or so there's no security issue here and um, I, in fact you don't actually need antivirus on that uh, at all which is a very interesting take uh, on this and a huge amount of confidence clearly in in the product um, but we are seeing uh, malware that has been targeting that um, for for a period of time uh, we've got some research uh, from both CrowdStrike and Sentinel-1 that have seen um, some uh, malware that's been specifically um, uh, you know targeting the EXI hosts and um, there's been a number of the kind of ransomware groups out there, Alpha, uh, Blackbuster, Lockbit, and they're all kind of um, being able to target the XI host. And some of this is to do with some of, um, uh, there was some leaked source code um, from uh, Babook, I believe, um, that helped to kind of develop some of these ransomware lockers for the XI uh, hypervisors, um, I think Conti, uh, Re-Evil or Revel uh, have used some of this in the past so um, clearly an attack vector in there we've been seeing uh, antivirus solutions that are enabled to be deployed within virtual environments and, and Kubernetes containerization security uh, for a while now um, but interesting to see that the, the VMware ASXI hypervisors are being specifically targeted in this issue now 
What is interesting as well is um, this week, actually just a few days ago, VMware um, actually shared an update to say that the initial um, uh, kind of information that, that it put out, um, it has seen as, as, in its words, outdated and should be considered depreciated. Um, so they're clearly looking at plans to revise um, their, uh, their, their current information that they've got and what we should be doing here, what the, uh, what the best practice is, any kind of the security aspects that we have as, uh, as part of that. So certainly worth keeping an eye out for. Um, most infrastructures, right, having the SXI uh, environment, VMware is extremely well used across the industry. So there are going to be some attack vectors there, uh, but keep out for some of the, uh, the update information that comes back um, from, uh, from VMware. Well, thank you very much for spending the time to listen to Socktail's BS this week, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch you next week.